Happy Easter everyone. Depending on how far through the day you are before you're watching this service, you may now have um, some empty Easter egg boxes like this one. Um, maybe you have empty boxes but a full stomach. Um, I, I've got this empty bag here and I just want to use it for a moment to help us think about how God use, uses empty to create full. Because Jesus' grave was empty on that first Easter Sunday when Jesus' Jesus's friends went to visit his body. Their hearts were empty and they were hurting with grief. And maybe even the promises that Jesus had said to them, the things that he had taught them, maybe they felt empty because he had died. So maybe they wouldn't come to pass anymore. Those promises wouldn't come to pass. Empty, just like this bag. But God is in the business of... Um, of, of doing miracles and uh, he loves to move in the opposite uh, the opposite direction to our reality so what they perceived as empty was actually full each promise that Jesus had given they thought may be empty now but actually each promise uh, because Jesus was alive was going to be fulfilled the empty grave um, the, like my empty bag, the empty grave that first Easter meant that actually the lives wouldn't be empty, but actually they could be, because Jesus was alive, they could also be fully alive. An empty grave meant they could be fully alive. And those empty hearts, just like this empty bag, um, their empty hearts, um, because Jesus was alive, that their empty hearts could be made full of joy once again. And that empty grave turned an empty heart to a heart full of joy. Now, let's read this passage uh, and unpack it in more detail and how God uses empty to create full and fullness of life. We're reading from John chapter 20 verse 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's John, um, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw, saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realise that it was Jesus. 
He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God's. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's just take a moment and recognise the enormity of what we've just read. Mary and the disciples who are hurting so much and, and deeply grieving, such sadness and brokenheartedness at watching their friends on on Good Friday, uh, their leader, um, Jesus, their Lord, um, they watched him be killed. And now to make that worse, it appears that someone has taken the body, an empty grave, and all that grief and, and distress would have been amplified. And then in a moment, Suddenly the the whole situation flips and and from grief and disbelief, suddenly the reality dawns that Jesus is alive, incomprehensible, miraculous, life-changing, earth-shattering reality. This is a a, a well-known, it's a significant passage, so familiar and we can so quickly read through it. We know that story. But pause for a moment trying to to begin to grasp the depth of joy, the emotions involved, the elation that they must have suddenly encountered. This is the best gift ever. The pain of grief shattered in a moment. And more than that, life in all its fullness. Possible. The promise that that Jesus had, had said and given in Um, that we read in John 10 verse 10, that that life in all its fullness becomes a living reality. I want us to take a a, a quick look at Mary and at John and at Peter and see how as these three friends of Jesus, these three followers of Jesus, as they discovered the empty tomb, as they saw that uh, Jesus' tomb was empty, their hearts could um, could be filled And their lives could be filled with a deeper, more beautiful, more incredible life than they had ever known. The the life that Jesus had promised. Life in abundance. An empty tomb, just like this empty bag, flipped to create a fulfilled life. Let's think about Mary first. Mary Magdalene. Um, Magdalene isn't her surname or family name. She was just simply from a city called Magdala that uh, was and and the ruins still are on the um, northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. She had become a follower of Jesus after uh, Jesus had released her from being plagued by seven demons. We can read of that in Luke chapter 8. Now this poor lady had an awful existence that... um, that must have been so dark and damaging and isolating, seven demons plaguing her. And then she meets Jesus and he changes everything. 
she's released. And she literally walks into a life that is full of light and joy. Imagine what a gift that would have been to her. And now, whilst it's still dark, she visits the grave of Jesus. And we can see that her heart is so heavy after seeing Jesus die. The joy has gone. He changed her world and, and she was devoted to him. But that empty feeling of heartbreak and grief is, is there in the place of the joy that she once felt. She sees the stone has been rolled away and she runs to tell the disciples and she returns but is still feeling broken, empty and really confused. And then through her sobbing, she peers into the tomb once more. And this time sees two angels sat where Jesus' body would have been. And they speak to her and, and then what she thinks is a gardener appears. She's so desperate to know um, where the body of her life-changing Lord has been placed. She just wants to be close to him, to honour him. We hear that Jesus simply says her name. Mary. And in that moment she realises she's heard that voice before. She recognises that voice and suddenly her grief because of the empty tomb it is replaced with joy. She's filled up with joy. He's not missing. And more, more than not, not just missing, Jesus is alive. Her joy is restored, pure joy poured back into her. The emptiness that she was feeling is gone. The brokenness that she was feeling goes. The confusion that she was feeling is all replaced with joy. And she hugs him and doesn't want to let go. Mary discovered that Jesus' grave being empty meant that her life could be filled with joy once again. Let's now think about John and Peter, the other two that ran to the empty tomb that Easter Sunday morning. John is the disciple who had the special bond with Jesus. He's, he's the one that wrote the Gospel of John, um, his account of the life of, and ministry uh, of Jesus. And when um, John first met Jesus, he and his brother James had the nickname Sons of Thunder, maybe because um, he was quite an angry person or he was quick to judge other people. There's a, a, an example of this um, in Luke 9 where John offers to call down fire on, from heaven to get rid of people who aren't listening to Jesus. Son of thunder, that's a good example. However, John, the son of thunder, after being with Jesus, is changed from being um, known for thunder to being known for love. John loved Jesus and he knew the deep love that Jesus had for him. He even says that um, it, in, in, verse, in verse 2, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. He knew that love that Jesus had for him. What caused John to run to the tomb that day? I think it was love. Love caused him to run, caused him to hope. Could Jesus be alive again? So he ran and he ran really fast. 
He says twice that basically he won the race against Peter. And he looks in the tomb and we read these words in verse 8. He saw and believed. He didn't understand how. He didn't understand why Jesus rose. But he still believed that this empty grave meant that Jesus was fully alive again. Because Jesus was alive, John knew that nothing could stop Jesus' love. Nothing could stop Jesus' love. Death couldn't stop it. A stone tomb couldn't stop it. The Roman dictatorship at the time couldn't stop it. Jesus' love wins against all things. And the love of Jesus changed John from a son of thunder to a disciple of love. And John could be fully alive, full of Jesus' love. And then there's Peter. Peter was so close to Jesus. But when the challenge came as Jesus was on trial, he lied to the people around him and said that he didn't know Jesus. He must have felt so broken inside to have been so disloyal out of fear. How could he be the person that Jesus had, had said that he would build his church on? He was ashamed, probably broken hearted, not just from losing his friends, teacher and Lord, but even more so because he disowned him. Was it his desire to say sorry to Jesus and to be forgiven that caused him to run that day? To be told by Jesus, I can still use you. My purposes for you are still real. They're still true. What I've said to you before is still true. Was it that desire, that hope that he could have a fresh start with his friend? Was it that that caused him to run that day? A new beginning, starting over with Jesus. Was it the reality dawning that all the promises that Jesus had spoken about, starting over with Jesus? And Peter ran. Peter ran straight into the tomb and he saw it empty. And that empty tomb, those discarded grave clothes, meant that Peter could hope again. And we read later on that Jesus and Peter walked and talked together. And Peter's hope for a fresh start became a reality after meeting with the risen Jesus. Peter's hope-filled life because of Jesus being alive, that empty grave, Jesus being alive. His, uh, Peter's life became filled with, with hope and that caused him to become known as the Apostle of Hope. And about 30 years later, Peter wrote a letter to Christians around Europe and Asia, which we can read in 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter 1 verse, verse 3, we read, Let us thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. Peter knew that the empty grave gave him fullness of life. It, it meant that um, Jesus' promises to him, what it, Jesus had said to him, could be fulfilled. And his promise to use Peter as a leader in his church was once again possible even though he had messed up. Three people visited the empty grave and discovered that Jesus was alive. Three people discovered that the empty grave of Jesus means that their lives can be filled with joy, that they could be filled with hope and, and fully alive because Jesus is alive, and that every promise that God has given will be fulfilled. Because Jesus is alive.
It was true then. And it is true today. These three lives were changed then, totally transformed. And Jesus is still in the, the, the business, in the work of changing lives. He's still doing it now, transforming lives, filling people with joy, bringing people fully alive and fulfilling his promises to, um, to them. I wonder today whether you are empty and are in need of going to that empty grave and seeing that Jesus is alive and being filled with joy once again or restarting or starting for the first time the life that Jesus meant for you, a life in all its fullness and knowing that every promise of God through Jesus and the, the power of the life that he brings the life that he offers is a yes and amen. It, it, it's a promise fulfilled through Jesus. Can I encourage you, even if you've been a Christian for years, to return to that empty grave and experience that God uses empty to turn it to fullness of life, fullness of joy and his promises fulfilled.